Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining Law Matters. Before I introduce our guest today, I want to tell everybody to go to lawmatters1030.org, go to the agencies tab. The FBI have an award out for a bad guy. His name is Rodriguez, and he was responsible for shooting some uh, law enforcement agents up on the Yavapai Apache Nation Reservation. If you see him... He's armed. He's dangerous. Don't approach. Call 911. Okay. In the studio, we have Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels. How are you? Good morning, Sheriff. It's good to be back. <laughs> and on the phone, is is Sheriff Wilmot on the phone? Yes? Okay, good. We have Sheriff Wilmot. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good, good. Enjoying the weather. <laughs> It's always warmer than it is. It is. Yuma's always warmer. <laughs> okay. Don't hate. Don't hate. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> okay. We've got a lot to talk about. I, you know, we were just sitting here talking before the show started. What's going on on the border? What's happening here in Cochise County first? Well, first of all, again, thanks for having us back on. And, uh, you know, it's unique how you see the national media. They talk about Del Rio, Texas. It's been the hot spot for many years, uh, for last over the last year, excuse me, when it comes to the give-ups here uh, on the southwest border with the kids, the children. Uh, you're seeing that a little bit in Yuma, and I'll yield to Sheriff uh, Wilmot here in a minute on that. But what we see in Cochise County is just the opposite, 100% give up. Uh, getaways. These are people that are aggravated, that are coming to the country, that either been deported, that um, are wanted by uh, the U.S. government, or uh, countries of interest. So they can't just walk in the country and say, here, I'm here, take me, let me go in the country somewhere. So we're seeing on the uh, getaways over 10,000 a month. In the first four months of the year, just on the southwest border, it was 47,000 getaways uh, a month a month are getting away on the southwest border. We average a little over ten to 12,000, depending on the month. So these are dangerous people that are coming to our country, about 1,200 a day on wow. the southwest border that are getting away in our country. And that's no fault to CBP. What the demands and the, the change of focus by Secretary Mayorkas and this uh, administration has created a porous border. It's created a open border philosophy. And I, and I just, I'm so frustrated with you, Sherry. I can't imagine. But tell, thank you, John. Tell us what's going on in, in uh, Yuma County. Is it the same situation? Well, we've, we've got a combination of both in Yuma County. So when, when Sheriff Daniels mentions the give-ups, there's been just this federal fiscal year, which started in October, we've had over 100,000 apprehensions just in Yuma County alone. That's half the population of Yuma County wow. when you look at it in the totality of the circumstance. Not only that, but in that same period of time, there's been over 10,000 getaways just in my county. And I have 112 miles of international boundary between the United States and uh, Mexico. So it's been a pretty significant impact here because not only do I have the give-ups, which is all orchestrated by the cartels, tying up Border Patrol agents to processing. And then the eastern part of my county in the remote deserts to the Barium Goldwater Range, I've got the uh, the getaways that are coming through, like Sheriff Daniels mentioned, that don't want to be caught because they would be deported or put into prison because they've already been 
deported before because they committed crimes, and now they're sneaking in the other way. What's interesting is you're talking about over 140 different countries through Yuma County. It's not just Mexico, and some of those are special interest countries, of which we've seen an increase in Russian influence coming in here as far as give-ups go. And that doesn't even, that's just a, a touch on the situation. I've had over 36 deaths in my county from individuals that were abandoned by smugglers out in the remote parts of the county that we've had to uh, respond and, and process those crime scenes. Not to mention, we've had over 300 911 calls from immigrants wanting to uh, be picked up by medical or law enforcement because they don't want to uh, wait for Border Patrol to come get them. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty yeah, amazing. They're they're actually Googling detention center on their cell phones when they come across and walking up to my jail trying to turn themselves in, and we have to redirect them to Border Patrol. That's how bad it is. And you know, so right people now, need to understand, too, we're not talking about, you know, the, the shopper that goes across the border in Nogales and comes back, and I used to do that. I would go over and go shopping and come back. They're not talking about that. We're talking about the illegals that that sneak their way into the country, and this is not a good thing because it's jeopardizing everybody's safety. Well, you talk of the national uh, security issue that we're all facing here in the country, not just on our 31 border counties, but throughout the nation here. And, and a lot of people are don't know about it, haven't been told about it, or national media is not sharing it, which is very frustrating to us. But in our county, and like I said, we're on the front line of impact just like Yuma County is, but just from July 1st of 2021 to December 31st of 2021, just border-related bookings at my sher- uh, sheriff's jail uh, was over $830,000. In the last 11 months, in the last 11 months, we're under just 1,000 calls for border-related crimes in my county for my deputies. And when you have 900 to almost 1,000 cars a month coming to Cochise County from Maricopa County to pick up the illegals, it's a huge impact. Our pursuits, uh, we've had death, we've had crashes, we've had trespass issues, you, you name it, uh, we've had it. And I'll give you an example. Here recently, we had a... Uh, a vehicle, 16-year-old kid come out of Phoenix, picked up uh, some illegals. They get like $1,000 per per person. So you wow. see how lucrative this is. So 16-year-old kid picks them up, uh, deputy sees them, uh, lights them up. They take off. We disengage because he's up over 100 miles an hour. Uh, we disengage. 30 miles down the road, he goes through an intersection at 120 miles an hour and takes a car cuts it in half and kills a 65-year-old female heading to her birthday party to meet her son. Oh her God. son's actually uh, was waiting at the restaurant. She didn't show up. He kept calling her, calling her, got back in his car, drove back home and drove up on his mom's accident. Oh He's God. actually a, a nurse that works in, it lives in my county too, uh, works up here in Tucson at one of the hospitals. And I had him speak at our local community town hall meeting here a couple weeks ago. And, I, and it just amazes me. And then I... I I say this, I'll say it again. This is on the shoulders of this administration. This is on the shoulder of U.S. Congress. This is on the shoulder of Secretary Mayorkas. And thanks to Sheriff Wilmont and the many other sheriffs out there that are united bringing this message forward because we've been the voice of this and we will continue to be the voice because we're their elected public safety. And it's not being met in all the counties. No, it's not. And when when I hear sheriffs say there's not a problem, 
especially a border sheriff say that, that tells me they're not looking or they choose not to look or they're playing political ideologies over public safety. Yeah, you, you want to get reelected and you're going to use whatever verbiage you need to use to get reelected, but it's not helping the people. And, and that's exactly right. And uh, and one thing about Sheriff Wilma and I, we work close. Or we, we've kind of mirrored our careers over the last almost, by the time we get done here, be 40 years, where, yeah, we've never done that. I mean, I look at it this way. If the people say, Sheriff Daniels, it's not time to go, just tell me that. Yeah, I'm not worried about being reelected. I mean, we've we both had uh, good good careers and challenging careers, but we're very proud of what we've done. But I tell you, it's frustrating when I see people playing their election or their politics over public safety. Didn't the governor say that he was going to make sure that the wall got completed in your area? Because I went down there and I looked at the wall. I have pictures of it. I have pictures of all the stuff sitting there getting, you know, ruined because it's not being used the way it's supposed to be used. Didn't um, gov the governor say he was going to help you fi finish that wall? There was. There's discussion on that, uh, working with uh, Arizona's Homeland Security, uh, Tim Romer at the, up at the Capitol, um, and, and with Congress here in Arizona. I don't know where it's all at right now, Then that's going to be a state-driven mission, but I know that's uh, a big discussion. I know it's been talked about. And do you have a wall in, in uh, Yuma County? Yeah, we, we do have a, uh, a fence on our international boundary. The unfortunate part is out through the uh, eastern part and some of the uh, river corridor. It's not completed because there's no gates there, so it's basically like a funnel. And the bad part for us is out east where the, the human and the narcotic smuggling is happening. They're, they're going through the uh, Barium Goldwater Range, which uh, impacts our military's ability to be able to train when you have to shut down the range to go out there and apprehend these individuals. To, to give the, your listeners an idea, we got with DPS and just did a, a detail along Interstate 8 for a short period of time. And the first six days, they intercepted six different smuggling groups with over 600 pounds of hard narcotics coming into our country. You know, I'm talking with uh, Heston Silbert, the DPS director. He was just astonished at the fact that, you know, in that short amount of time, they were able to intercept individuals smuggling narcotics up. And the first comment that he made was, what are we missing how many pounds are getting through without being apprehended? Absolutely. And, you know, when you got over 270 people dying every day with this opioid crisis and fentanyl, 75% of that to blame, you know, it's it's a serious public safety concern for, for us in law enforcement. It's very serious. And I can imagine if your fence isn't completed, you have a pile of unused items sitting there, too. You know, we just, uh, ironic you say that, yeah. I was at working last night, and there was a semi pulling off up on the border, and it's all the the cable, the sensor cable that was running for the border. They were pulling it out on a semi, and um, they, I was told, third party, that they were taking that to DRMO, which is, they're going to sell it. It's going to be taken out and gone. So I think Leon will agree with me on this, too, is the prioritization of our southwest border is not in place by this administration. It's an open border, folks, whether it's an open border. Just based on action, practice, and avoidance, it's an open border. You know, I was, when I was down there, I was shown where, even where the wall was, they were cutting through the wall, and they have um, a team of people, Border Patrol has a team of people, does nothing but repair the fence at the bottom where they've cut through, trying to get their people through. 
Oh, yeah, they're cutting the heck out of it. And most times they just walk through the gaps. And I know there's been some talk. Yeah, there were some gaps. Yeah, and I say that, you know, <laughs> with kindness. But long story short is, yeah, they just walk right on through or come right over. I mean, it's, and I know uh, Sheriff Wilmot, I was down in his county into December seeing what's going on there. We're watching them come across, going into the California side and waiting to come across, just watching Sheriff Wilmot and I. So it's it's also, and I think it's important, Sherry, that the messaging or lack of by this president, and I, I don't want to make this a political, I mean, I'm very patriotic, but when you have a president that won't come out or a vice president that laughs every time we talk about border or you've been to the border, that's an insult to everybody at all levels that wear a badge. It's a complete insult. They're putting their lives on the line. And I say that because you look at in the first four months of this year, assaults on Border Patrol agents are up 29%. We had them in our county where they, uh, an agent was assaulted, uh, shots fired. Long story short, they tried to cut his throat. <gasps> and uh, we just had another one, officer involved, uh, border patrol agent here last weekend. Where we've been investigating that all week. Again, the violence toward law enforcement. I had a deputy stop a car a couple weeks ago where he stopped the car, driver out of Phoenix. That's where they're coming from. Uh, the driver was very unpredictable, very uh, agitated, uh, very aggressive toward the deputy. Deputy turns around, 22 illegals jump out of the back of that vehicle, this U-Haul truck, and surround my deputy in Spain, said they're going to get him. So this is what we're seeing. We had uh, another local officer working a, a border detail with us. He stopped the car. The driver ran, uh, came, ran around a business out in the county area, uh, jumped back in the car. The deputy or the officer was chasing him. Uh, the officer grabbed him. He drug him through a fence. Oh so this is some of the stuff you don't see on the major news because nobody wants to print that. And, and I'm glad you do what you do, but you can see my irritation in all this. And this is why we're Sheriff Wilmot and I get on these radio shows like this because, I mean, everybody should be united wearing the badge, but we're not. We don't see that either. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's horrible. And you're right. We don't hear that on the news. No. We hear everything is peachy keen, and clearly it isn't because people are still dying from all these illegal drugs that are being brought through. Yeah, 270 a day. Every 24 hours, 270 people die in this country, opiate overdoses. overdoses. But I was watching the major news on that. If you've seen that, if people hearing this saw that, what's the factor? It's not about the border, which 90% of all illicit drugs come through. It's about COVID. Right. Folks, if you buy that, I'm telling you, our cartels, these criminal organizations are exploiting our families, our schools, and our children. And they're killing them. That's, yes, they're killing very them. much so. They're killing them. Oh, so is it the same situation in Yuma County? Well, we don't have the uh, escalation of violence to the level that the Sheriff Daniels has, but you, you can just sense the frustration when Border Patrol agents actually spoke up to Mayorkas and Chief Ortiz, this last time when they went around to each of the Border Patrol sectors, and when, when it gets to the point where your own troops are voicing their frustration like they did, and God bless them for standing up and doing what they did to Mayorkas on, you know, <laughs> border security has to be a priority. And Border Patrol agents are our border security experts. They know what they need. Yeah, his job is not to uh, interpret from two thousand miles away what they need. His job is to listen to the agents, the boots on the ground, and give them the tools and the resources that they need, much like we do with our deputies each and every day, to make sure that this this country is secured. And he's not doing that, and that that's by design. 
Yeah, it seems like every every election period you hear the same rhetoric, you know, oh, let's secure the border, let's, you know, this is terrible, but nothing ever happens. And well, we see that with our legislators too. I mean, it's <laughs> every year we battle our legislators on on different legislation that they want to put into place, but yet they're not engaged with law enforcement to even understand what the impacts would be to our operations by doing what they're doing. So it gets really frustrating for us, the fact that you've got lawmakers, whether they're in D.C. or in Phoenix, that continue to push their agendas, but they're not engaged with public safety. And it's a mess. Yeah, the the smart thing to do would be, hey, what do you need? You're on on the front line. What do you need? Well, you look at what um, Congress, and I look at Congress, U.S. Congress here on this border issue. They cut just under $1 billion dollars from CBP's budget. Think about one nine to be exact, nine hundred and sixty million dollars was cut uh, from CBP's budget. Now you're dealing with one of the worst crises we've seen in over twenty years on our border, and you're cutting funds from them, funds that can be used for staffing, resources, collective efforts. And, and I'll just say this: Stone Guard's a great program, but when it comes to other funding, overtime, my overtime in the first five months was ninety-two percent expended. Wow. Because of these calls I was just talking about, right. our jail costs, nobody from the federal government has approached me and said, Sheriff, what can we do to help you? Not one. And that goes for lack of dialogue. It really does. By them or their prioritization, uh, they'll they'll deal with it. And and that's where I got to step back and say, and our state legislative folks and our governor have been very good to us. Uh, they just gave us um, collectively for border operations, jail operations, $12.8 million. So I, I'm very excited about that. And that's over a four-year window. But... Um, when it comes to the federal government stepping up and addressing this border issue, besides Stone Garden, which is that program that's been in place for many, many years, uh, which we all pretty much support on that, they have done nothing to say, Sheriff, what can we do for you? And, and I'm just going to say this, and I'm at the point where, I mean, it, it's time. I mean, I read out my paper yesterday, my local newspaper, and our Senator Cinema is on the front page in Nogales, Arizona, having a roundtable about the wine producers. <laughs> and the challenges of wine you know what? folks we can talk spirit anytime but public safety should be a priority it should be a priority and i had uh actually had border patrol on last week and they gave me the numbers and the numbers support everything that you're telling us today and it's it's horrific people need to open their eyes and realize we need to support our sheriffs on the border because and talk to our legislature, talk to our representatives and tell them, you know, you need to do something about the border because these people are getting through. You can only do too, so much with not enough. And our, our kids are getting killed with the drugs that are being brought in. Yeah, well, I think every community is being challenged, not just on drugs, but on gangs, on criminal oh, cartels. Oh. I mean, you name sex trafficking, all the things that we see. And, and it's just so bothersome that we're turning a blind eye to that. Anybody that's elected, anybody that takes an oath of office, uh, it should be startled by this. And what should be startling is uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine this week, they, they came right through their borders. They blew up their border or their ports, came right on through. Now, every American should be saying, hey, how's our borders? And we all know. I mean, we all know. Uh, and, and again, CBP, sheriffs, 
police chiefs, all those that are standing for the right reason, I mean, I applaud them. I truly do. But we need to secure our borders throughout the country, coastal, northern, and southern. Let's talk about um, some of the bullet points on here because some of these things that you guys sent to me, I was like, oh, my God, this is happening. Let's talk about pay. Well, let me just say this. Um, Governor Ducey, uh, in the state of the state, the first thing he says, he always says this, and I say this not in a negative way, but uh, public safety is his number one priority in the state of Arizona. As a result of that, uh, since July 1, the Arizona troopers, and this is nothing against the Arizona troopers, but they've received a 25% raise. So to put it in perspective, a nine-year trooper, a nine-year trooper is up over $90,000 a year. A nine-year deputy, on average, is around fifty-five to sixty thousand dollars in the state of Arizona. So the sheriff association, we put a pay parity bill together that pretty much uh, is saying that in every respective county, the sheriff's deputies' starting salary would be within five percent of the top two agencies averaged out. Detention officers in the state will average out with Department of Corrections by ten percent, and that keeps recruitment retention. And as one of the sheriffs said when we met with the governor is, and I thought it was a well-stated statement is, do you think taking a sheriff's deputy or a police officer out of their uniforms and put them in a trooper's uniform is going to be beneficial to community safety in the state of Arizona? And the answer obviously is no. And the governor even said, you know, he wants to work with sheriffs, and I respect that. But the bottom line is, you know, board of supervisors, let's start with them. They're the ones that set the sal- or uh, set the pay for deputies. They have constitutional authority for that. And CSA, uh, County Supervisor Association, sent a serve or in defense, sent to uh, ACO and then to the Arizona Sheriff's Association. There's not one sheriff's deputy in the state of Arizona out of the 15 counties that's above state average. That's really That was the most damning piece of paper they could have ever sent. So, obviously, uh, we want good relationships with our supervisors, but the bottom line is, we don't want to see our deputies jumping out of our communities and going to the state to work. I mean, and I, I, I respect our troopers. This is not a slam on our troopers at all. But we got to retain our, our, our value, our assets, and and our deputies. And that's what this is all about. And that is a problem because uh, Tucson has lost a lot of law enforcement going to other agencies that pay more. I mean, you go through the same training. That's right. Why not get the best buck, you know... Well, doing and, what you do. And Sherry, if you put that in perspective, put that into a rural county where you don't have the population of a metro like Pima County, right. where you have a, um, a nice selection to choose from. I mean, we don't have that in our counties and some of the rural counties. And that's where it's a real challenge for us. Now that, and right now they can go up into Tucson or the Phoenix Valley and make 20, 30,000 right now starting off. Yeah. You can see where that's just a really competitive market, but to lose our, our value employees is, is just a real challenge. And that's that's probably the biggest focus at the state capitol this year. And I'll yield to Sheriff Wilmont if he's got any comments on that, too. Sheriff? Uh, you know, I will just add on to what uh, Sheriff Daniels mentioned. As you look at the, the counties, especially rural, and the amount of time and investment in getting a, a recruit to an academy, you're talking about three months to go through the background and go through the testing and then you're talking almost a year 
getting them through the academy and then their field training portion to get them trained up. You're, you've already invested in one person about 100000 out of your budget to get somebody through an academy and get them certified so they're out there working on the road, only to see the state doing what they're doing and then take that resource that you invested county monies into and take that away, and your county doesn't get reimbursed. And that's part of our problem, too, is, you know, if you're going to invest that kind of money, shame on the Board of Supervisors for not wanting to retain that because it's an investment. You just threw that away, yeah. you know. And, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, if a state recruits a deputy, and we do a contract with ours now, so that if they leave within two years, they have to reimburse us for all the training and monies that we've invested into them. And we've been able to help with the retention on our side. And not all of it is pay. I mean, a lot of it has to do with leadership from those different agencies. I'm one of the few that's fortunate. I have a 3% attrition rate where other counties do not because of what's going on. But it's a shame. And I told my own board of supervisors, I said, you know, we're one of the few that are is the closest to the pay, and we also address the compaction issues. And my thing was that I, I applauded my board for standing there and being accountable and looking into the situation where other boards of supervisors are not. Yeah. And shame on them because they're putting their politics in front of public safety for their communities, and, and that's what I see from the outside. Yeah, they're creating even a bad there, situation. Oh, yeah. You even look at what CSA and Sheriff Downs can uh, can speak on that, but CSA, even in their, their own defense, put out a graph showing the disparity and saying how much it would cost them. But each one of these boards of supervisors have enough funds in their general fund accounts to be able to address this issue. It really boils down to the prioritization of public safety in these respective counties. And you look at rural counties, and you, you talk to citizens in the rural parts, ask them what they get from their county government. Roads, which is funded through HERF, which is your gas sales tax, and public safety. What else do they get? I mean, you think about it. They don't have libraries, a lot of them, except for the Maricopa, Pima, maybe Pinal. Um, I don't know if Sheriff Wilmont has those, but most of them, they just... That's what they provide, those basic essentials. But public safety should be a priority in these rural counties. And as we're seeing, it hasn't been. It's really well, any, any county that's ever done a uh, survey with their citizens, which our county does, every one of those surveys, law enforcement was in the top three, along with health and roads. Those are the three top priorities that this community has always said are the priorities that our board needed to address. And I would assume that it would probably be the same if you did a survey in every other county in this state. We did one in ours several years ago, and, and Leon is exactly right. The top two priorities was uh, public safety and roadways. Oh. So, Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Thanks for staying with us. Our guests today are... Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels and Yuma County Sheriff Leon Wilmot. And we're talking about, I want to talk about um, 
We've been talking about the pay and in the border. I want to talk about the attacks on law enforcement. You know, it's one of the worst I've seen, and, and we've been through a lot. I mean, Leah and I both have spent many years, you know, almost four decades of doing this profession, and we've seen the ups and the downs and the different opinions toward law enforcement, but I'd never seen it as worse as it is today. And, and I got to say this, and this all starts in urban communities. It really does. If you look at the the events, which only represents 12% of all the policing in this country, so 88% is rural, uh, and by definition, less than 100 law enforcement officers. We have 96 law enforcement, sworn law enforcement deputies. I won't go above 100 because I don't want to be titled into the urban area. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. There's great law, men and women that serve in, in the metropolitans of our country. The bottom difference is the lack of leadership or support for law enforcement in those areas. And, and that has had a ripple effect on all law enforcement in the country. But this message, just like we're talking about border, Sherry, that message starts with the President of the United States. Yes. I support <laughs> secure borders. I support law enforcement and law of order, the rule of law, all the things that we need to make America what it is today. But when you have a lack of messaging or a lack of reinforced action to support it, same for Congress. You got Congress people and U.S. Congress have taken an oath to protect their communities, sitting up there saying we need to fund the police. Well, those that don't believe in public safety or those that choose to violate our laws, they embrace that moment because they know they have opportunities and avenues now to victimize our communities. So it is. Right now, law enforcement, the uh, killings of law enforcement in this country is up 8% already this uh, this year. Assault on law enforcement is up 7%. So when you look at these staggering numbers, these are family members, these are community members that wear a badge, they're putting their lives on the line, only to be ridiculed by elected leaders. And the other thing that, I was in the East Coast a couple months ago, went out there for a, to speak to uh, the state police out there, the sheriffs and the police chiefs in Newark, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. And one thing that was very apparent is the lack of respect that law enforcement is feeling out there. And, and you got law enforcement officers, uh, uh, state police, and I won't say which one, that won't even stop speeders. That's their primary focus because they have no support. People complain. They're ridiculed. They can lose their job. They have just totally become shelled in what they do. And when I hear that, it just breaks my heart. I was coming up here today and I made a stop for speeding. I mean, it's it, it's what we do. And then uh, when you – but you when you – Beat them down, law enforcement, the men and women that are doing so, so good out there. Grant, do we have a bad apples in our profession? You bet. Show me a profession that doesn't. And yeah, uh, exactly. we all have it. So, again, it's very, very frustrating. We need leaders, mayors, supervisors, board of supervisors, uh, school board members, governors. We need them all to step up and say, and our president say, we have to embrace our law enforcement in this country. Not at a ceremony. Not at maybe a funeral. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking you got to change the landscape of police in this country and support us and not talk about how we have to defund or reform. I was at an event, and a couple of the sheriffs at the event said, we don't need border security. We need to have police reform. Ouch, folks. Ouch. Yeah. (laughs) The training has never changed for, you know, law enforcement. You're out there risking your life doing what you need to do. And it's a job that you chose to do, but we as citizens need to do better. We need to respect what you're doing. We need to teach our children to respect what law enforcement is doing and respect the law. This is something that I I just, people don't respect the law, period. 
And, you know, it, it starts in your home as well. You need to, if, when you see law enforcement, say thank you. Thank you for your service. And, and, and Sherry, that's why I appreciate what you do, this, what this show represents. And, and again, do we have officers that go bad? Yes, and I've dealt, dealt with them in my uh, office. I know Sheriff Wilmot's dealt with them in his office. Good leaders are addressing those issues. But contractually, sheriffs are elected every four years. So every four years, the people decide if we're doing a good job. There's no other profession that has that. And, and I, I say this, we have the toughest profession because we work directly for our communities, which is an honor, and it is truly an honor. But we go out, in my in my county, we book 10,000 um, individuals a year in my jail. 10,000 individuals go into my jail a year. That means they're touching a family. I have 130,000 people live in my county. So think about that for a sec. Now, yeah. some of these people are repetitive uh, offenders, but either way, you're putting these people, everybody knows everybody. Then you go out and you, we answer 40,000 calls a year. Uh, we write about 13,000 traffic citations, and traffic stops a year. So you put that all together and compound by four years. And then at the end of the four years say, hey, can you reelect me? Can you reelect me? Can you give me the job again, even though I put your son or daughter or your spouse in jail? Yeah. I mean, think about it. A mayor doesn't worry about that, but we do. And we separate families. We take kids from families when they need to. Do you get support from your mayor? We do. In fact, all my mayors, we get... we we. We have a very special county. I'm sure Sheriff Wilmot can talk about that. Rural counties have a special bond. That's what makes it great about serving in rural America. Uh, I got very, very good support. That's that's great because we didn't have that in Tucson for a long time. And well, now we've got a police chief who, who really understands what's going on and supports the people that he's leading. And it's, it's a breath of fresh air. Chad, Chad's a very good guy. I've worked <laughs> with him. He's very nonsense. He's a cop's cop. Let me say he's a cop's cop. I wish him well. I really do. TPD's always been a very good partner of all Southern border counties. So it's nice to have him to helm. He's got some challenges. I'll just say that. We all know what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. I mean, because I've seen some of the comments up here. I've seen some of the actions and behavior. And um, and listen, I mean, I've said it. I mean, somebody needs to not wear the badge. It can't be a role model in the community. Let's address that and let's get rid of them. But let's also be fair to our law enforcement officers. Exactly. How is it in, in Yuma County? Do you still have, uh, do people respect law enforcement over there? Oh, they do. We, we've we been very fortunate, and I, I think that's because our deputies are out there each and every day engaged with our community, and that's why we get so much support. You know, when I hear about defund police and police reform, my, my response has always been, you know what, who really needs reform and defunding is Congress right now because they're the ones that are the problem, not law enforcement. That's We're right. out there each and every day doing our jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for for us to hear that, and our community sees it, and they even comment to us, it's like, yeah, no, you guys are doing a great job. I get more compliments out in our community about the interactions that our deputies have with our community each and every day. And that's where we're pretty fortunate. So it it's disappointing to see something happen. We've all seen it in our agencies throughout the whole country on individuals that do something bad, but we hold them accountable right away. Yeah. But the unfortunate thing is we see something happen in the eastern part of the United States, and then we get a legislator that, seems to want to apply that to us in Arizona. It's completely wrong. Yeah, it is. And that's part of the battles that we have each and every year with, with some of our legislators is like, look, don't be applying your belief and your political rhetoric 
for something to happen out east and think it's going to happen here because it doesn't. We hold people accountable. Yeah, and I think that that broad brush that society, because news anchors, and this is something that really bugs me, media do not represent what's going on. They'll take a soundbite and they'll wrap a story around it and all of a sudden everybody's accused of the same thing. And it's not the broad brush that should be used. That one incident is that one incident. And our law enforcement people here in Arizona are, are amazing. And I've said it re- before, I'll say it again. We are very, very fortunate. I, I would agree with that. I 100% would agree with that. I mean, yeah. no matter where you travel in the state, you got dedicated men and women that are out there for all the right reasons. And, uh, and again, that percentage that chooses not to be a role model are held accountable. And that's what I'm seeing sitting on the post board for Arizona. And uh, I, I'm gonna bring up a kind of a sensitive topic uh, and that is, look at the incident where the the 26-year veteran law enforcement officer from Minnesota. That broke my heart. It, it broke all our hearts. I mean, here's somebody yeah. that I, I've heard nothing different that spent 26 years serving her community, made a deadly mistake. No doubt in my mind. She made a deadly mistake. But I look at them, and this is getting a little bit legal, but the mental culpable state to commit a crime, okay? And uh, did she intend to kill him? No. I think we all would agree she didn't. But... She was put on a, uh, into the criminal justice system on the criminal side, not the, the tort civil side, and now she's sitting in prison. And I went back and did some, I teach at one of the schools, universities, and I had my students do research on this, but the number one killer of Americans in this country, and I'm not talking about natural causes or diseases, is medical malpractice. Whether it's doctors. And they're not sitting in prison. Yeah, exactly, Sherry. Right. Doctors and nurses. They, yeah. Over 250,000 people die at the hands of medical malpractice every year. And I'm not picking on our doctors and a nurse. My wife's a nurse. I, I respect what they do. But those are called accidents. They are. But ask the question, when's the last time you saw a doctor or a nurse on trial with every natural media there saying, I mean, scrutinize that profession. You don't yeah. see it. So I, that's where I'm looking at. We're taking accidents now where law enforcement's now that you wonder what we're talking about where they're not they don't want to do their job because they're going to be in a criminal uh, venue if they make a mistake and, I, and, and you that's know scary. what's really sad about all that every one of these situations number one they were career criminals that they were stopping yes who were told put your hands where i can see them or sit down or do whatever the command was and they refused to do that they became combative uh, argumentative and ended up, you know, in that case, accidentally killed. But you're talking, you know, and George Floyd was a career criminal. He was not a good person. He held a gun in a home invasion to a pregnant woman's stomach. Belly. Yeah, stomach. And that seemed to be buried, buried in the media. And the other one, oh, he was just sleeping on the sofa. No, he wasn't just sleeping on the sofa. He pulled a gun. People, you know, it was a no-knock warrant. They announced themselves several times. He held a loaded gun to shoot, and they shot him first. It was just a matter of they shot him first. But he was sleeping in his cousin's house, who was wanted for multiple homicides. I, I'm a, <laughs> I, I think you can talk to any law enforcement leader in this country, uh, and, and we all look for best practices and in modern times we're all looking for that but when political quarterback takes over or we can take those political moments and highlight a law enforcement mistake and then criminalize them 
I, I think we you wonder why we have the problem we're having for recruitment, retention, and the ability to go out and work like they used to and they've been trained to do. Uh, it's just a scary time in law enforcement right now. That's why we need sheriffs, police chiefs, governors, all the way up to the President of the United States to step up and say, we got great law enforcement. We need to treat them fairly, fairly. I mean, if they make mistakes, of course, hold them accountable. But to put them in prison over something like this or some of the situations we've seen is is truly injustice for political ideologies. It is. You look at the the recent actor that uh, accidentally shot one of the directors. Yeah. They're not in prison. You know, it was an accident, too. But you don't see the media vilifying that actor. They got some sensation out of it. They got some entertainment value out of it as they all aired it. But where's anybody protesting? Where's anybody going after them? It's just, and I get there's different dynamics, but the reality is this, is we're on a whole different stage when it comes to our accidents right now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and that voice you hear is is Ronnie who's in the studio. She's a board director, and, and she came in to give us support. <laughs> She's a good fan. I'm just She's throw a that good out there. fan. She brought me bread, so I'm really excited. You know. There you go. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about this operations center in in uh, Cochise County. What is this about? So, we had the governor's budget director come down to Cochise County uh, to see you. the governor sent him down. Go see the sheriff. Go see the team down there. See what's going on. This is several months ago. Long story short, as he came down, we we went to. I gave him a brief, and then we went out into the field. And what he saw that night was, in fact, at one point, we had eight groups around us. I mean, literally around us. We had smuggling vehicles pulling up to the highway to pick up those eight groups, honking horns. And between chasing the groups down with our federal Border Patrol partners to stopping the cars, taking people from Maricopa County Jail for everything from false information to warrants, you name it, uh, no driver's license. I mean, these people coming to my county are not tourists, I promise you. And... At the end of the night, he goes, what do you need, Sheriff? And I said, what we need is a collective operation center for a border. Our camera system, in partnership with Sheriff Wilmot, goes all the way to Yuma, also goes into New Mexico with the New Mexico State Police, uh, working with 14 different law enforcement partners along the southwest border. So we, we're setting up, and this is for our National Guard, our camera system, our uh, a cell, which is for intel sharing, a uh, sex trafficking unit, human trafficking unit would be part of this center. Anything that has to do with border financial crimes will be in there. Every effort of border security will be housed out of this facility. The governor agreed to buy the facility. We're in the process of the state purchasing that building. We've already identified the facility. But that will be a one-stop shop for border operations. So we're really excited about that. I thank Governor Ducey for that. In fact, I just got a call last week that uh, we should have some answers next week if the, the deal goes through. Um, and he even said the governor wants to make sure this this is becomes real to you, Sheriff. So I, I got to commend him for that. I really do. I mean, I know some people, uh, I went to, a, I spoke Tuesday at another event here in the state, and I know people don't like our governor. But I, I'm not going to put the personalities into this. I'm not going to put the, um, the political side to this. He has met the request I've asked him for. We have not always agreed on everything during COVID. We didn't always agree. Who, who agrees on everything? What two people agree on everything? Exactly. And, uh, but when it comes to him helping me, because I'll tell you, right now, besides CBP, which is so thin, I, last night I was out working, I pulled up, We I had six right there at the river in our county, standing along the highway, border patrol was out there with me, uh, and they told me, said, Sheriff, we are so slammed in this county, we can't keep up. They're coming faster than we can even grab them. 
And and I got to give you this story. This this is a story. And I'll make it quick. We have a community college in Cochise County. In the fall, the president of the college called me and said, Sheriff, we have so many illegals coming through our campus. He goes, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, let's have a meeting. We had a meeting. We actually set our camera system up on there. So in November, and uh, we had n- 900 illegals on his campus wow. in camouflage from booty to head. In December, we had 1,200. He called me this week and said, Sheriff, I'm having a real issue again. I said, well, you, you still have the same issue you had here a couple months ago. We have deputies that stage right on the campus just to help him out. Wow. Secretary Mayorkas actually will not let Border Patrol go on the campus and get them. So we have to, we have our academy there. So we have to actually get our academy instructors and the class, and we walk the inmate, or the, excuse me, the illegals to the highways and meet Border Patrol because Secretary Mayorkas would not let them get people. Now, let me just say this to add on to the flavor of that thought. These illegals are actually running into classrooms, camouflaged. Now, can you imagine that happened at U of A or ASU or anywhere else? But in my county, they would not respond. And it's not Border Patrol agents. This is Secretary Marcus, protected places, and education is one of them. And, and let me just say, I can respect that under the DACA program and places like that. But these people are fleeing in our country in camouflage, and it's okay to hide in a classroom under a desk where students trying to learn. I have a real problem with that. Yeah, I imagine the students have a problem with it, too. That has to be scarier than hell. Well, and that's why you have a president of a college that's up in arms on that, that we're doing everything we can on that. So I gave him our U.S. Senator's numbers, and I also gave him the chief of Border Patrol and said, call them, let them know your frustration. Let's talk about, real quick, let's talk about this bill and what everybody can do to help support this. The deputy uh, sheriff, the detention officer parity bill, please support us on that. Talk to your supervisors throughout your respective counties. Uh, support your law enforcement. And the other thing I would ask is get with your uh, local congress from the state here, your senators, uh, your reps, and let them know you support sheriffs in your communities. And that's House Bill 2541? Yes, and there's also a and that just cleared the house. It cleared the floor. Um, I believe it went to the floor. I believe it's going over to the Senate now. I was just told that yesterday. So, so everybody, 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 please send send an email or call your representative and say we need to support this bill. Thank you, Sherry. And Sheriff Wilmot, I want you to oh, call absolutely. your representative. Um, And that's what we, you know, collectively as sheriffs, we always get asked from people, even from across the United States, what can we do to help you down there? Because they're seeing it in their communities now. I had a group that wanted to come down from Arkansas to help secure the border. And my response to them and everybody in my community is, I need you to set up a phone bank and get on the horn with your senators and your reps, not only in D.C., but locally, and start banging on their door yes telling them they need to make border security and public safety a priority and to knock this off because all these impacts the federal government if they're not going to do it it's going to go to your neighborhood it's going to be in your county in your community and then it's up to your community to fund all of this that our federal government is not doing and they've already said it's their responsibility for immigration but they're not being responsible at all they're not doing it correctly no, they're not. I mean, you, you know, you, Sheriff Donald's talked about the impact on the college down here. We, we're having impacts at our uh, local food bank where they were being inundated by individuals, and they couldn't 
couldn't control them. They were getting rowdy, and they were calling law enforcement. And under Mayorkas's uh, policies, Border Patrol couldn't respond because it's a food bank. It's a community building. So they can't send Border Patrol to apprehend these individuals that walked from the border all the way to the food bank and started demanding and creating uh, being disorderly in their conduct because they weren't being fed fast enough. So, you know, you look at all the different impacts in the different communities and what's going on because of the lack of border security and, and the enforcement of law. He's diluted that. Wow. And that's what's created the problems in our communities. You, you look at the country as a whole, 90% of the leafy greens throughout the whole of the United States comes from Yuma County during this part of the year. That's so, true. That's Yeah, people need to believe it, that. That's true. And that's it, a, that's illegal leafy greens he's it, talking about. The, the legal the, ones. The legal so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you, you Let's look be at the clear. impact on our farmers. <laughs> you know, it's a $4 billion industry in Yuma County is agriculture. So when you've got 100, 200 in a group trampling through a farm field, that's where I end up getting the calls from the farmers to go out there to arrest individuals for trespassing and committing criminal damage. You look at 40 acres of celery, that's over $250,000 value to a farmer. Yeah. If they got to cut an acre off of that, that's a $5,000 hit just in them trampling that food because now for food safety, they can't harvest that crop, yeah. you know? So you, you think about all the different impacts for local communities from this illegal immigration that's being allowed to happen. It, it's astronomical in the cost. I, I would like to know how much our federal government has spent just on diesel fuel transporting all of these individuals from the border into the interior of the United States each and every day. That would be an interesting number, wouldn't it? Oh, just <laughs> just the amount of money they, they've had to spend on airplane tickets for buses. It's astronomical, the amount of food, the, the warehousing that the Border Patrol agents have to do for diapers and food. It, it's unreal. And the amount of garbage that's left along our border the environmental impacts alone are astronomical, and they're not addressing that either. Yeah, they just a couple of weeks ago talked about all the, we only have a minute left, talked about all the trash on the highways. And, you know, we're not throwing that trash out there. It's being left by people who don't belong here legally. Exactly, yeah. So I want to thank you both for coming on and opening our eyes to a situation this is i i knew it was a situation i didn't realize how bad it was i want everybody you're right start a phone bank and have your representatives arizona representatives support house bill 2541 and don't forget about our event on the 2nd of april i want everybody there it's uh it's going to be very educational you want to Shop local, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week.